Welcome to this week's Point Community Church Sunday Sermon. If you'd like to learn more about the Point Community Church, please visit our website at tpcc.org.au. Well, there are those who despise New Year's resolutions, and then there's those who make and break New Year's resolutions. Hate them or break them. Personally, I'm I'm into uh, into resolutions, just not New Year's resolutions. Uh, A long time ago, I was taught uh, the the principle of, um, here it is, bang. When you're finished changing, you're finished. Uh, Now, that that principle is attributed to Benjamin Franklin. uh, And with all due respect to Benji, I prefer to swap out the word changing to growing. When you're finished growing, you're through. I want to be constantly growing. In particular, growing more like Jesus. And so I make resolutions to grow. Uh, Our church, we're committed to growing. One of our five core purposes is to grow. None of us have reached full maturity in Christ. And because we're family, because we're brothers and sisters, we're committed to helping each other grow. Now, being committed to one another is not easy, is it? You see, another principle is you cannot choose your family. And church is family. Uh, Some people in family rub you up the wrong way. That's okay, because you rub some family members up the wrong way too. Now, and it's more than rubbing each other up the wrong way, isn't it? Family, community, closeness is hard. It's hard to be close and in community with one another. It's a hard calling from Jesus to love your neighbour as yourself. And Jesus showed us how hard that is. Jesus laid his life down. And then he calls us to lay our life down. Brothers and sisters, I'll be the first to admit, there are times I don't want to do that. There are some people when you love them, They are mean back. There are some people that are so down that when you love them, you you get caught up in their downness. There are some that have been so hurt that, that when you love them, they want more and more and more. But here's the thing. There is a daily spiritual resource at our fingertips that will help us grow as lay-your-life-down disciples. And that resource is prayer. But, but not, not prayer that you sort of fit into your daily routine, where I'm going to pray, I've got to fit it in. No, no, it's prayer as a habit, as habitual as breathing. The praying life. That's what the title of today's sermon is. The praying 
life. And here's how we're going to tackle it. First, we're going to look at how to pray. Then we're going to look at why prayer is so important. And then we're going to finish with our fuel for prayer. And just a little disclaimer, that's really just going to be uh, a little teaser. Come along next week and hear about fuel for prayer. But this is where we're headed for today. How to pray, why pray, and fuel of prayer. And so first of all, uh, how to pray. Our second Bible reading is one of the most popular verses, set of verses in the Bible when it comes to prayer. Have a look at them. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17 and 18. They're short, aren't they? They're easy to remember. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Uh, In all things, give thanks. Give thanks in all circumstances. Rhetorical question. That means don't call out an answer. What immediately strikes you about those verses? A word that comes to my mind is impossible. Wow, really? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. That sounds impractical and impossible. Are we really supposed to rejoice at a funeral? Are we really supposed to pray while concentrating really hard on something like studying, answering questions in an exam, some really intricate work project that we've got going on? Are we really supposed to give thanks when the doctor said you have one month to live? If a major fire broke out right now in the hall, am I supposed to call a prayer huddle or say, evacuate? What's going on in these... Words, all-encompassing words, always, without ceasing, all. In his commentary on Thessalonians, John Stott writes something profound on the rejoice always clause. Uh, This is um, Stott writing. Paul, the apostle who wrote 1 Thessalonians, Paul is issuing not an order to be happy, but an invitation to worship and to joyful worship at that. Now remember, worship isn't just what we do when we sing. Worship isn't just what we do when we turn up to church together. Worship is all of life. Worship is living and breathing to spread a passion for God's glory. Take my life and let it be. Ever only all to thee. Now I'm going to ask some simple, foundational Christian questions. You can either um, nod your head or call out yes to these questions, okay? Am I giving you enough of a clue about where to go with these questions? Is God more powerful than we can imagine? If we own, uh, sorry, if, is God in control of everything? Is God totally, absolutely, good. Okay, now for these next lot of questions, you can either call out an answer or shake your head, okay? While every funeral is sad, are funerals beyond God's comfort? If we only have one month to live, are we without hope? 
And I'm not sure if that was the harder one or this is the harder one. If a fire did break out and some of us did die, would that take God by surprise? Brothers and sisters, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances is not hyperbole. They are powerful words reminding us that nothing is outside of our good Father's control. And so we pray. Always, without ceasing. All, these are words that flow from a life of worship. True worship of the true God leads to the praying life. And 1 Thessalonians was written originally to Christians who were highly anxious because their fellow Christians were starting to die. Uh, They were starting to die not just from natural causes, they were starting to die at the hands of persecutors. Think about these original Christians. They were ones that, some of them at least, would have heard Jesus say, don't be anxious. I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come back for you. Don't be anxious. And then these Thessalonian Christians start to see fellow Christians and family die and Jesus hasn't come back. They get anxious. Death and persecution will do that. Now, their problem is our problem. They got Jesus' timeline wrong. So do we. Yeah, our timeline is, uh, I want everything now. Yeah, thanks to our Western wealth and Amazon Prime, everything we want is one click away. And our impatience is a huge problem when it comes to Jesus' timeline. Jesus' timeline is this. Suffering and persecution now, glory later. Our timeline is comfort now, oh, and greater comfort later. But that's not worshipping the king. That's just worshipping the king's stuff. And and if all we're after is the king's stuff, it's going to be impossible for us to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. But when we remember who God is, and when we align our worship with him rather than his stuff, we quickly realize that 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, isn't this concrete, detailed, prescriptive, determined nation over every single thought, over every second of the day? No, no, no. no. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, it's a compass. It's a compass setting. It's a posture. It's a picture of worship. Why do I say that? Because of the last phrase in verse 18 which takes us to our second heading, why pray? The last bit of verse 18, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now again, when we forget God's timeline, 
and how he works in this world, we, we get all caught up with God's will. We get really anxious about what subjects to choose at school, what career should I do, who should I marry, don't want to fall out of God's will. And when we get really anxious like that, when we suffer or when someone gives us a hard time for our faith, we automatically assume we've done something wrong. I've stepped out of God's will. That's why I'm suffering. Now, maybe we did. Maybe we did step out of God's will. If you get a speeding ticket, you deserve to suffer the consequences. If you're a real rat bag as you're sharing Jesus with someone, you deserve the ridicule. With saying that, though, we also need to remember Jesus' timeline. Suffering and persecution now, glory later. Jesus is calling us to follow him in laying our life down. That will result in suffering and persecution now. Oh, but glory later. Bringing all of this together under the heading of why pray. Or to put it in the language of why rejoice always. Uh, why uh, pray without ceasing. Why give thanks in all circumstances. Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The will of God is that we live and breathe for him. And a life of worship will necessarily flow out of living for him. It will lead us into a praying life. How on earth can I tell my wife that I am devoted to her if I don't talk to her all of the time. Now, in that sentence, am I saying that every hour of every day I'm talking to my wife? No, she'd punch me about 10 o'clock at night and say, I want to go to sleep. Am I saying that I will only talk to her and nobody else? No. I'm saying that my heart, my devotion... My posture is orientated toward her like no other person. Brothers and sisters, we will not always feel like rejoicing. We will not always feel like praying. We will not always feel like giving thanks. But we must still call, we must still obey the call to do so. Why? Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's God's will that we orientate all our longings toward him. God is almighty and he is good. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5, it's a compass setting. It's a posture. It is a picture of worship. And I want to point out one more thing before we move on to our fuel for prayer. Remember how I began and opened up with the difficulty of family, of community, of closeness? The difficulty of laying our life down for people? That was because the verses that we've just looked at on prayer are fast on the heels 
of of God calling us to love one another. Have a look at verse 14. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, admonish, admonish, warn, instruct, counsel the idle, the idle, the disorderly. Admonish them. Encourage, you know, console, cheer up the faint-hearted and help. Get alongside, put your shoulder under their arm, walk alongside the weak. Be patient with them all. It's not difficult to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak for a day or a week. But what about the brother or sister who remains idle, remains faint-hearted, remains weak, Have you ever felt like you're the only one inviting people over but never invited? Always caring but never cared for. Always encouraging but never encouraged. Always admonishing but never admonished. Strike that last one. If you're always admonishing and never admonished, my guess is you're causing problems around church. We need to talk. But put in the little joke aside. Family, community, closeness is hard work. Relationship requires work. It's no different for church relationships. To be patient with all, all the time, is impossible. There you go, I said it. To be patient with all, all the time, is impossible. But that does not let us off the hook. The reason patience with all people is impossible is because we. We. Not them, not they, because we are sinful. You see, there is someone who admonished, encouraged, helped, patient all the time. What is his name? Jesus admonished. Jesus encouraged. Jesus helped. But we mocked. We tortured. We executed. Jesus knows intimately how sinful our heart is. And yet Jesus came and was patient. Jesus King of kings and Lord of lords is gentle and lowly of heart. Jesus laid his life down. You see, Jesus knows the timeline. Jesus went to the cross for the joy that was set before him. And here's the thing, even now that we know the gospel of Jesus, even now that we have been saved by Jesus, you and I still fail at Jesus' command to love our neighbour as ourself. 
we still suffer under the temptation. Well, that person, they're just too difficult. That journey with that person has been too long. Loving family, even church family, is hard. Which is why verses 16, 17 and 18 are given to us. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. That is God's will in Christ Jesus for you. Why pray? Because it is God's will for us to grow more like Jesus. It is God's will to grow us into lay your life down disciples. That's why we pray. Now to our final point, fuel of prayer. At this point, it just, it, all it sounds like is, well, we just have to get, become better prayers. Just do it. Just pray harder. It sounds an awful lot like our fuel for prayer is the same fuel for people who make New Year's resolutions. Uh, say to go to the gym. you just got to do it. Grit and determination. But here's the thing. The number one reason why New Year's resolutions fail is because all they have for fuel is grit and determination. Resolutions need a vision to succeed. If I set a resolution of, I want to go to the gym three times a week in 2024, I need a vision. A healthier Steve that is going to be able to enjoy family and friends and life and work more. Brothers and sisters, our vision for the praying life is God. God is our vision. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my life, and naught be all else to me. Save that thou art. God is our fuel for the praying life. When we know him, know him, not not know about him, when we know him, the overflow is the praying life. And where do we get to know God? We get to know him in his word. This Bible is the fuel for the praying life. So come along next week. We begin our Summer in the Psalm series with Psalm 19. It is a majestic, glorious psalm that paints a picture of God in all of his glory and feeds us through his word to taste and see that God and how wonderful he is. Come along next week for that fuel. But for this week, for this week, I suspect... There's still some of us that are hearing, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, are thinking, okay, that, that means I have to be happy, happy, happy all the time. That, that's just really clear. That, that's what God is saying. And so to finish off, I've, I've got another question, a final question. Did Jesus rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances? And the answer is, of course, he did because he is the perfect example of true worship he is the perfect example of the praying life and so i want to finish 
with a, a real-life situation from the most agonizing suffering in history. You don't need to turn to it. I'm going to read from Matthew 26, verse 36. Picture Jesus. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he, this is Jesus, began to be sorrowful, full of sorrow and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Is lining up our worship with God and who he is. It's the life of worship. It's the praying life. It's lining up with God's timeline. We know. We know. We know that it is suffering and persecution now and glory later. So, even when we are in the most agonizing suffering, we can sing, it is well with my soul. Because our compass, our posture, our worship, is always, always, always toward our king and his kingdom. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus for you. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we are weak, but you are strong. We're feeble. We're fickle, but you are faithful and unchanging. And so, Father, we pray that you would give us a greater and greater vision of who you are. Would we feast on your word daily, regularly? And not because we have to, but because we need you. Because your love is better than life. Oh, Father, we... we we are loved by you and we want that to overflow in the way that we are constantly being shaped by you through prayer to you. We pray this for your glory, our joy. Amen. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for our latest sermon or better yet, join us live at 9.30 or 5pm Sunday. You can find all the details on our website at tpcc.org.au.